0: earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hello
1: and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate?
2: Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate good health with return Guest, Mark Anthony J.D. the Psychic Explorer. Hello, Mark. So good to have you back again.
3: Thanks, Chrissy. I, I, you know, we had such a great time. Oh, my gosh. The last last episode. And I I was very honored when you asked me to come back. And, you know, we're going to talk about some more edgy and current things. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yes. And, um, you know, radiating good health because I'm just now getting over COVID and you can kind of hear it in my voice. So, you know, COVID is still a thing. So,
3: you know, well, it's good that um, you chose radiating good health on, on this particular episode because people do need to understand that COVID I hear people say, oh, it's a pandemic, it's a hoax, it's a fraud. And that is ignorance speaking. You know, I I get my science from doctors, from biologists, and from the immunologists who study this, not from tweaked out extremists hanging out at Crystal Meth Labs. Okay. <laughs> so so you know, you, you really have to. You know, you know, I mean, it's like you don't go to a, a shoemaker for a problem with your brain. All right. So right. that's what, what these people are doing. And anyone that has ever examined the history of humanity understands that plagues are part of human history. Um, you know, the last big one was the so-called Spanish flu at the end of World War One, which was like 19... 19- 18, 19, 19, around there, which killed, I believe, 25 million people worldwide. And back then you gotta realize the world only had about two and a half billion people in it. So that was a huge amount of people. And certainly HIV was was a plague. Polio was a plague. And now aren't we happy? Aren't we happy, Christy, that our parents and grandparents didn't act like a bunch of horse's butts about, oh, the polio vaccine is a government hoax. Let me tell you, if people would have acted that way with a polio vaccine, can you imagine how many physically disabled people sure. there would be in the world today? So the, the truth of the matter is human history is filled with plagues. And and this is simply a reality. And unfortunately, COVID-19 is the plague that we are dealing with now. Right.
2: And it is no joke, you know. Um, so, yes. So COVID-19 is going on right now. I was wanting to, you know, I invited you back, Mark, not only because I really enjoyed talking to you last night, which I did, but it's that... Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. It's crazy. I don't, have you seen the the Netflix film death to 2020?
3: Uh, I have not. I have not. I've been on tour. I was just in Phoenix about a month ago at the helping parents heal um, conference. What an honor to be able to present for, for, Uh, There was over 900 parents there who are known as shining light parents, meaning they've lost a child. And it was a very humbling experience to present to this amazing group of of people. And then um, about a week and a half ago, I was in Salt Lake City for the IANS, International Association for Near Death Studies 2022 annual conference where I was uh, also a keynote speaker. And then in three weeks, I'll be in Virginia Beach at the Edgar Casey Ancient Mysteries Conference. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's cool because I'm, I'm presenting sacred astrology, the mystical magi and the mis- mysterious star of Bethlehem. And I'm presenting evidence um, of the findings of modern day astrophysicists who have explained what the star of Bethlehem really was. And uh, yeah, and, and it's really a lot of fun. And, and uh, then on September 23rd and 24th, I've got two light circles presented by Bright Live. And th- that's an online event limited to 6 people each so that way everybody gets a reading and if people want to find out about that please go to my website afterlifefrequency.com just like my new book the afterlifefrequency.com yeah. so so anyway i didn't mean to, to interrupt but i wanted to let you know that that's why i didn't get a chance to see that but i've heard that it's really cool so what's your take on it
2: well, it's just that there was so much going on in that year. and There's a follow-up uh, death to 2021. We are living in historic times. You know, I, I would hate to be a scholar later having to study the first half of 2020, you know, or the, the second half of 2020. So there's a lot of stuff going on and even more now. And that's why I invited you back is to talk about some of these world events and get the psychic lawyer, political science, um, opinion, you know, kind of take on this?
3: Well, certainly. Um, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention one of the most, um, life-changing stories or rather, um, high profile, which is the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Right. Um, what an amazing life. And, and uh, you know, I, I attended Oxford University, so I'm something of an Anglophile, but right. I've also had in-depth discussions with people, not just here in the States, but also in the UK about whether or not the British people should continue the monarchy. You know, has it outlived its usefulness? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of, lot of feelings both ways on this. And uh, I was fortunate. I got to see Her Majesty twice. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, and both times, it was kind of very happen chance. I was at um, a reception for Rhodes Scholars at the Rhodes House at Oxford. And and all of a sudden, this limousine, or not limousine, this Rolls Royce pulls up. Right. And it's surrounded by security. And this little tiny lady pops out. And I remember she was wearing this. Um bright green dress with this bright green hat. She waves to the crowd and everyone's cheering. And I I was so um, impressed that she's a little, she was a little tiny lady. I think she's only like five, two or maybe five, four, something like that. And, and everybody was just like thrilled. And then a week later I was in Scotland. I was in Edinburgh, the capital of Scotland. And I happened to be walking by Hollyrood house which is the royal residence in Edinburgh. And these two police officers said, Aria, an American I, uh, they want to see Her Majesty, wait till you us, you know? And all of a sudden this, this Rolls Royce comes pulling out and the door pops open and this little lady in a bright yellow dress with a bright yellow hat, hello. <laughs> She's waving to the crowd, everyone's cheering, you know? And uh, it was funny because some people are like, you saw Her Majesty twice? It's like, yeah, but I did get in trouble um, I was at St. Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh, and there was this box. It was the royal box with this. And I climbed up and I sat in it. And this guy that went to the guards goes, that's Her Majesty's box. No one's a lie. No. So apparently I got to sit where the royal rump did. And, um, um, you know, and of course, being an American, they were like, oh, an American. But uh, the thing is, I... I always had respect for for the Queen because she was the standard of elegance, of class, and no matter what life threw at her and her family and her country, she was always very stoic. I mean, her last speech that she gave about COVID, she said that, you know, we're facing trying times, but we will meet again. We will get through this. And the people who who favor the monarchy, what's really fascinating about it, we don't have anything like that in the United States. I mean, we idolize, you know, rock and roll stars and movie stars and certain celebrities. But the monarchy is to be above politics. That's why you don't see, even though the prime minister is required to meet with uh, the monarch um, once a week. And uh, Prince Charles has already met with uh, <clears throat> the new the new prime minister. Isn't it amazing? Great Britain has had three female prime ministers, yeah. and the best the U.S. can do is one female vice president. You know, so so socially, they certainly have made strides. Uh,
2: now, our, our female vi- vice president is a woman of color. So,
3: th- this is true. This oh, is more true. More. All right, so cool. so we get we get some we get some points for that but the thing is the queen symbolizes or the king now the country and is something to aspire to it's a moral leadership it's a guiding light it's a
2: spiritual leadership in a way too this you know it's the whole ceremony makes them anointed by god you know the yeah. the, the origins of the ceremony
3: uh, that, is, uh, that is 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And Charles, King Charles said something. It's, it's getting hard referring to him as King Charles because we've been calling him Prince Charles. I mean, my entire life, you know, the queen has, has been the queen. And if you said the queen, everybody knew who you were talking about. But King Charles said that, you know, he is he's the head of the Church of England. And that's the monarch's role. Um, The Anglican Church, the Church of England, um, it 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 behaves procedurally very much like the Catholic Church because it was essentially created by Henry VIII when he wanted a divorce from Catherine of Aragon to Mary Anne Boleyn, and he kept getting into fights with uh, the Pope. So there was a split between the two uh, churches, and certainly Queen Elizabeth the First. Furthered that that division, and they created the Church of England, which in in the United States is the Episcopalian Church. Right. Uh, okay. And and but the the ceremony has a is very much like the I was raised in the Catholic faith, and uh, the ceremony is very much like the the Catholic faith. And so for the past um, five hundred years, the king, the monarch, the queen, was or is the head of the Church of England. And Charles said something very clever, very skillful the other day. He said that Britain is a country of many faiths, and he came out and said, which will all be respected. So um, whoever wrote the speech for him, or maybe he did, but probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I admire Charles, but he doesn't exactly Seem like he's going to be president of the Mensa's Club anytime soon. But um, the thing is, it was a very well-done speech where he let everyone know that Britain is very different now than it was when his mother took the throne 70 years ago, that it is a multicultural and a multi-faith society, and he will be the monarch of all the Britons. And I think that that was a very necessary and very clever move. uh, move. So the people of Britain, you know, they fight for king and country. They, They aspire to this ideal of what their country stands for and is about. And the monarchy embodies that. And then that way, parliament with the prime minister and the two houses, the House of Commons and the House of Lords, they can sit there and get all the down and dirty and nasty politics and, and this and that. Whereas in the United States, the president is, is the head of government, but then is also embroiled in this unending political squabbling.
2: Right, because they're also seen as the head of party.
3: The head of the party, Yeah. And and so and I'm not I'm certainly not advocating for the United States to uh, have a monarch. Um, no, but, no, but that's the difference. That's the difference between exactly. between yeah and and. But let, let's get down to why did this really happen? All right. Yeah. So five hundred years ago, Henry VIII, he assumed uh, the throne of England. And he had a wife, Catherine of Aragon. She was the daughter of Ferdinand and Isabella, who funded Christopher Columbus's adventure in, in exploration and in invasion of the New World. And so she had a lot of clout, a lot of money, a lot of power, but she was unable to produce him a son. Now, Henry didn't realize, and of course, they didn't know this back then, that it's the man the man's chromosomes that determined the gender of the child. Right. So he wanted her gone and she was Catholic. And of course, being Catholic and Spanish and ties to Rome, she had a lot of political clout. Anyway, in comes the Boleyn family and Anne Boleyn's father and uncle were the most shameless political climbers probably in British history. They had two daughters and they basically pimped them out. And so they got Anne in, into the court and so Henry is smitten with her. To, um, uh, the Pope won't allow him to divorce uh, um, Catherine. Catherine of Aragon, so he does it anyway and splits with uh, splits with he splits with the Church too. Church. yeah. But Henry also realizes, hmm, as long as England is subservient to the Catholic Church, the money collected by the Church. The tithes has to be paid to Rome, but now, if I'm the head of the church, <laughs> where does that money go? To the Church of England, which he presides over. So there was a lot of political factors, and, and unfortunately for Anne Boleyn, she wasn't able to produce him a son. She produced a daughter, Elizabeth, and then he was unhappy with her, and and so... Uh, He had allegations drawn up that she was having an incestuous affair with her brother George. So he was able to have both of them executed. And um, the way you remember Henry VIII's six wives divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Okay.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay.
3: But if I may digress for a moment. All right. So let's fast forward 500 years into the future. So I am in England and it was St. Patrick's Day. And I was over there doing some spiritual work and working with mediums and some paranormal investigation stuff. And I asked my English colleagues, so what do you guys do on St. Patrick's Day? We don't do anything. And then I realized, okay, well, England and Ireland have not exactly Thank had ha- trouble. Yeah, yeah, they've God. had like, you know, five, six hundred years of animosity. They had some breakups. So yeah. So I took the day off and I went to the Tower of London and the Tower of London. Well, depending on who you were historically, it was either a palace or a prison because that was the residence of the royals back in in Henry's time. Right. And and if you crossed the king, it became there was dungeons there. And then they had like, you know, the the rack, the Iron Maiden, thumbscrews, every horrible thing medieval torture device imaginable. So if you were in royal favor, it was a palace. If you're on the outs, it was a prison. So here I am, and I'm walking around the Tower of London and in the big courtyard, and it's cold, it's drizzly, it's miserable. It's like 40 degrees. It was like the perfect day to be there. And I kept thinking about Anne Boleyn. My mind's fled Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn. And I'm like, Huh, well, I know that she was beheaded, and I, but I couldn't remember where she'd been uh, beheaded. So I sat down on this bench, and I'm sitting there all by myself, and all of a sudden, I feel motivated to turn and look to my left. And I look to my left, and maybe 30, 40 feet away, there's this very modern sculpture. It was enormous. It was like this huge glass disc. And it looked like it had the image of a glass pillow on the top of it. And all I'm thinking is, I guess they're out of uh, slippers, you know, <laughs> you know. And, and so I get up and I walk over to it and I look down at the, the edge and my heart almost stops because I see the name Anne Boleyn. And then I, I read the inscription and it was a monument to all the people executed wrongfully at the Tower of London. And then I saw a sign, this be the spot where Queen Anne Boleyn was beheaded by order of King Henry VIII. So, and the only thing missing right now is like, like in the background. So I'm sitting there, Get this whole Anne Boleyn vibe. I'm drawn right to the spot where she was executed. It's raining. It's 40 degrees. I'm shivering. And for a medium, this was the best St. Patrick's Day ever. And and so so I found out, I asked one of the beef eaters, the guys in those red, uh, you know, um, uniforms. I said, where's Queen Anne Boleyn buried? He goes, I can't take pictures there. (laughs) So I didn't take pictures, but I did go up and I did find where she was interred in this chapel. And I did say say a prayer um, prayer there. But uh, anyway, that's my Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn story. But I'll have to leave it with this. Anne Boleyn may have been subjected to a great injustice because she couldn't produce a male heir. Mm-hmm. But the, the child she did produce became the greatest ruler in British history, Elizabeth the mm-hmm. First, who catapulted England from second-class status to superpower status for the next 350 years. So, you know what? I think justice has been done. They did pretty good. She was a badass. She... Yes. If you look up badass in the dictionary, (laughs) she outmaneuvered the kings of France, Spain, the Holy Roman Emperor, the Pope. She outmaneuvered, outfought all of them. Her navy sent the Spanish Armada to the bottom of the English Channel. Uh, So Elizabeth and, and by the end of her reign, England was the wealthiest and most powerful country in the world. Yeah. Yes,
2: Elizabeth I. So from your psychic vantage, what do you think the prospects are for the new King Charles?
3: I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for him, but I think he's actually going to do very well. Right now, he's riding on the popularity and the sympathy of his mother's passing, And Charles certainly brings a lot of baggage to the throne. I mean, there's the whole Princess Diana, where he was having the affair with Camilla the entire time. And, you know, one time Camilla was the most hated person in in Great Britain. But the Queen, before she died, said, I want Camilla to have the title of Queen Consort. So Queen Elizabeth was paving the way. Charles is coming out of the box right away. I think where he's dropping the ball. He kind of, he made overtures. I want to give my love to Harry and Meghan, and he's acknowledging the lives they're building for themselves. He should sit the whole family down and say, Harry and Meghan, we're apologizing. We want you back here. We want to give you the security, everything that you need, because Harry said it best. The British Commonwealth and for people who don't know what that is, the Commonwealth is a, a collection of countries that used to be part of the British Empire. Now, when Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth was born, the British Empire covered 20% of the world's landmass. And one out of every five people on planet Earth lived under the British flag. Now, by the end of her reign, the the and so when um, the you know the Britain has uh, you know a couple islands here and there, mm-hmm. um, but the Commonwealth are former colonies of the British Empire, and they're part of an organization, and they have the Commonwealth Games, and they have trade agreements and things like this, and a lot of Commonwealth countries like Jamaica wants to pull away, and I think Barbados and and some other um, India is talking about. Leaving it, yeah. But the thing is, Meghan Markle and and Harry said this, or rather, the Duchess of of, of Cornwall, uh, Sussex. Excuse me, the Duchess of Sussex, uh, Meghan Markle, would be the best thing for the Commonwealth because here's a member of the royal family who's you know um, half black, and they have children that are mixed race. And the people of Africa, because most of the Commonwealth countries are in Africa and, 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 you know, a number like India, a very important one in Asia, could identify to her a lot more than these frosty, blue-eyed mm-hmm. Europeans. And, and so, so I, I think that Charles should make a concerted effort to get Harry and Meghan back into the royal fold. And even if that doesn't work out, they have to walk away not looking like a bunch of stodgy, you know, scepter up the you know where, um, um, you know, elitists. Right. And, and, and I'm really disappointed in, in Prince William and Princess uh, Kate because there seems to have been this prejudicial overtones, at least from, from Harry and Meghan's standpoint, directed at them from Charles and, and Kate. Uh, and that should not be. That that simply should not be. And then there's other people say, well, Meghan Markle's the Yoko Ono of the royal family. And and uh, and, you know, that's and and I'm going to say this um, about Yoko Ono. Um, I think she's been treated so brutally and unfairly uh, for decades. And and to call Meghan Markle the Yoko Ono of the royal family, um, Yoko Ono. Fell in love with somebody who loved her, and they wanted to be together, and maybe that irritated other members of the Beatles, and maybe that irritated a lot of people. But you know what? That was John and Yoko's business, and they loved each other immensely. And then she had to witness the love of her life being gunned down by a psychopath. So I really think people need to cut Yoko some slack. Oh yeah, and, and I think with Megan. Talk about being an outsider, American, mixed race. She said, I didn't even know how to curtsy. Well, where the heck was Camilla? Camilla should have taken her under her wing, taught her the nuances of the court. Kate Middleton or Princess Kate should have done the same thing. Where was Princess Anne? You know, they're all like, you know, they could have taken a couple days and said, look, Megan, we know that you're an outsider and we're going to help you. and so so I don't know what really went on there because I wasn't there. I've heard what Harry and Meghan said to Oprah, and I've read some things, and I see how the British royal family is. But but if the monarchy wants to survive, if they want the monarchy and the Commonwealth to survive, then they better look to their own house first. Mm-hmm.
4: Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate You, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now back to our podcast and back to our guest.
2: So yeah, things are getting interesting for the UK will, you know, we have yet to see what's going to come of all of this after the passing of such a great queen and such a long-standing tradition. So let's now turn to something more domestic. Um, what is your take on the January 6 hearing? Are there going to be indictments? Are there going to be convictions? Are there going to be new bombshells?
3: I think all of the above. Uh, January, <laughs> yeah, January sixth rocked American democracy to its core. Yes, and um, I'm a member of the United States Supreme Court bar and also the Washington D.C. bar. And I've been to Washington D.C. as part of a congressional exploratory committee. I was uh, briefly working with a politician who was considering running for Congress, and I've been on that floor. I've been on, on uh, the floor of the Congress, of the Senate, and, and the House, and to me, that is sacred space. Yeah. That, that you know, this is like the, the temple of our democracy, and this is the altar. Right. And then to see these thugs, these criminals, burst in there, breaking windows, smashing things, defiling it, um, the There's very bathroom in there. You're yeah, defecating. I mean, yeah. They said they were defecating in the halls. They didn't show that on the news, but but they were reporting it. Um, the antics and the behavior that is reminiscent of of some unstable banana republic in the third world. Right. And to me, it was the most vile and disgusting thing that I've ever seen. And that these extremists achieved something that Kaiser Wilhelm could not, that Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, Tojo, and Joseph Stalin and Chairman Mao could not. They seized control temporarily, albeit, of the United States Capitol. And that is absolutely un-American, it is vile, and, and anti-democratic. And that, anti-democratic. That is not we're supposed to have the peaceful transfer of power in the United States. These people were calling for the execution of the vice president, um, um, Mr. Pence, and even uh, erected gallows out front. Right. And and so. So that yeah, we all know that that's what happened. And there's some people who favor that. And if you do, I'll tell you right now, I, I disagree with with uh, That not, not be happening. Um, I think there's gonna be more subpoenas issued. I think that uh, once the Mar-a-Lago documents come to light because something's going on there, which um, n- no other president in US history has taken classified documents for their own personal use. I don't know what's in them. I think the special master um, was probably a good move by the Trump team to request a special master because then you have a theoretically neutral party reviewing all these to determine what their status is. But I think that the, the full impact of what is behind January 6th hasn't even begun to reach the surface yet.
2: Really? There's just been a revelation about there were texts that actually were found from the Secret Service.
3: I heard that today. I was watching the news this morning, Mm -hmm. and because isn't that very interesting, the way the Secret Service, who has to keep track of all these things and records, suddenly, oh, well, all the text messages are missing.
2: From that day.
3: From that day. From that day. Of any day
2: Exactly. It's kind of like body cam footage. Oh, they're just everything else, but that incident is gone.
3: Yeah, you know, you know in, the, in the practice of law, um, and I'm not going to name the corporation because uh, I'm sure it applies to more than one, but there's one big box corporation which got in a lot of trouble one time because somebody was injured in their, their on their premises, and they requested the surveillance footage because everything... And it mysteriously got erased.
2: Right.
3: Yeah. You know, so, so when things like that happen, I don't believe in coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have a real problem, and, and I try never to get political. Um, but since we're talking about this, during the presidential debates, mm-hmm. when Mr. Trump said, Proud Boys, stand back, stand by. Whoa, oh. that's at a chill. When I saw that, because wow. I, I watch all the debates, my blood ran cold. And then when now we see what's coming out is that the Proud Boys, who are an extremist, um, militia, militant, uh, violent, or, or with the proclivity to have violence, okay, organization, wow. is being given explicit instructions by the pre- by who would by the president why why would you say something like that proud boys right. stand back stand by Wow yeah and and, and so and so we're also seeing um, a corruption of the Republican Party which is really tragic because this is the party of Abraham Lincoln uh, this is the the party. Of Theodore Roosevelt. I mean, this is the party of Dwight D. Eisenhower, right. of Ronald Reagan, of George Herbert Walker Bush. I mean, there have been some some really great Republican presidents and legislators. And um, in in the nineteen fifties, during the McCarthy hearings, it was uh, George Bush, uh, the first uh, um, George Bush's father, right. stood up and confronted senator mccarthy for his you know his um cowardice and yeah his his horrible horrible tactics Mm -hmm. and and so to see the this happening is is really really shocking right yeah it, it is um but the thing is america is has been called the great experiment in democracy yeah. And we're far from perfect. And and I love this country. I want people to understand that. I have been all over the world. I have studied. I have a degree in political science. I have worked in, in politics. Um, I've certainly I've practiced law. I've, I've tried over 100 jury trials. I believe in and I love this country. But I'm also a student of history. And I know that we're far from perfect. They're the founders of this country. And we tend to put them on pedestals, but a lot of them owned slaves, including George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I had dinner recently with um, an African-American gentleman who's uh, Thomas Jefferson was his, uh, it was like great, great, great. It was like five greats. Oh, was from his South grandfather. South. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, were, we were talking about all this and, um, and he, he, he's funny. He said, well, you know, he goes, and, and they had a reunion of all the Jefferson's uh, descendants and some are white. He goes, come on, they all got black in them. And and I was <laughs> laughing because I said, well, you know, look at this hair. I said, my family's from Southern Italy. Where do you think we got? I got this North African hair, you know. And and the thing is, you know, we're, we all got to be something. And if you go through our, exactly. our DNA, is like, you know, the um, different groups have been in inter-
2: a melting you know, pot. It's
3: a melting pot. Well, the that, world is a melting pot. The world. Yeah, absolutely. The world is a melting pot. Right, right, right.
2: So would you be um, like, have you do you have any predictions for what's going to come out of the January 6th? Would you be up for something like that?
3: Well, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm a medium. And what I do is I communicate with spirits and they'll transmit information to me. But during readings that I've been conducting within the last year, sometimes um, things about January 6th have come up because of the client that I'm doing the reading for may have a connection to, you know, to what was going on there or or, uh, things in the D.C. area. And the message has been that all of this needed to happen it needed to bubble to the surface so that we could all see how widespread um, this cancer is, how widespread this militancy, the, the, the subversive conspiracies. Um, all of this needed to come to the surface for the same reason that people have symptoms with an illness until the symptoms manifest you don't know that you're sick and what they have told me they meaning spirits have told me is that basically the next several years and i was trying to get a fix on what do you mean by several what do you mean by several
2: right right
3: i'm uh, getting at least like 5 to 7 are not going to be easy but then things are going to stabilize and that this is also also a growth process for the people of this country. So yes, all this is terrible, but if it didn't happen, perhaps things would be even worse, because then there could be some type of takeover or coup that may have been even larger and and, uh, even more thoroughly coordinated. And And I want to go on record and say this because I realize that people watching this who may be um, Republican are thinking, oh, here's just another left wing pundit. Um, The left wing is not exactly near and dear to my heart either. And they are far from coming away with this without dirty hands. My belief and my feeling is that both parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, have failed the American people miserably they have descended into this quagmire this unending squabbling if one side wants to do this the other side immediately blocks it and vice versa and the thing is um this what did benjamin franklin say essentially to paraphrase benjamin franklin united we stand divided Mm -hmm. we fall right and who has the most to gain from a divided America that's on the verge of or engages in civil war? Hmm. Yeah. Russia, China, Iran, mm-hmm. and North Korea. Mm-hmm. All right. And people say, well, what is QAnon? The feeling that I get is that QAnon very well may be. And, and I mean this with, with every fiber of my being, it is not domestic, it is being manipulated by foreign powers because they know right where to hit the fracture. Let's face it, we've seen how Russ, Russia has um, performed abysmally in this, this idiotic invasion of Ukraine. They never should have invaded Ukraine, that was a complete disaster, it was wrong. Putin could have taken a different approach, done agreements and things like this. The Russian military, look, we can kick butt on any country, but why should Russia or China or North Korea or Iran fire a shot if we can destroy ourselves? So by fomenting conspiracy theories about the pandemic, about January 6th, about uh, Black Lives Matter, about All Lives Matter, about Proud Boys, about um civil rights uh, all of these things keep stirring the pot until we degenerate into a civil war and that is the greatest threat facing us is from within but being stirred up from without
2: well and we found this after the first uh, after the 2016 election, election and Russia's involvement in Propaganda and trying to ma- manipulate things. I mean, T- Trump was impeached the first time because of all of it.
3: Uh, yes, yes, and and um, and it's really a shame that that Joe Biden's son Beau uh, died from cancer because Biden was poised to make a run for the White House in 2016. But the death of his son was so crushing, mm-hmm. and and uh, Biden, you know, he suffered the loss of two other children plus his first wife. You know, the man has has is no stranger to to grief, pain, and loss. Um, because I think if he'd run in twenty sixteen, I don't think that Mister Trump could have won. And I'll never forget watching. Because um, I stayed up late that night watching TV when it was announced that Trump won. When he and his family came out, there was kind of a look of surprise on all their faces. Like, really? We won? And, and so I think it was, it was a great surprise. But, but um, it, you know, we are in a situation now where both sides keep fighting, 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 fighting. And, I mean, I could see her in, in crash on the Democrats or can crash on the Republicans. But I think that and and where is where is our Ronald Reagan? Where is our Teddy Roosevelt? Where is our FDR? Where is our uniter? Or even and,
2: Bill Clinton
3: in some ways. Well, yeah, Bill Clinton, uh, the Bill Clinton
2: He's a it was a, a, figure, a
3: polarizing yeah. figure. Polarizing, and, yeah. polarizing figure. And um, part of the problem is that, well, I got to be careful what I, what I uh, say here. But oh, l- absolutely. L- l- yeah, l- let's just say that we need um, a new leader to emerge that doesn't want to be a third world, banana republic style dictator. And I find it very amusing that people along the lines of um, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and, and you know, people that can barely construct a sentence um, are calling um, Biden administration a banana republic when they're the ones that are acting like banana republic. I don't think they really understand what that is. And, yeah. And so we're seeing an extreme right wing here, but then you have other elements in the Republican Party like Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. And I think to some extent, Mitt Romney, um, those are Susan Collins. Um, and I think there's others that are coming out and saying, hey, look, this is not what the Republican Party is all about. Because the Republican Party is always about truth and freedom and justice, a strong military, getting the government off the backs of the people. Um, and, and what's happened is there's this extremist element that's, that's taken place. But when you analyze American jurisprudence and rather, let's say, American politics over the past 250 years, there have been times when the pendulum has swung to the left and times when the pendulum has swung to the right. right. But typically, American politics ends up either to the right or the left of center. And that's been our 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 staying power. And I think that that's why all this had to bubble to the surface, because eventually it's going to swing back to the center when we get a leader in here that is not a polarizing figure. And uh, unfortunately, that's not going to be happening for the better part of a decade. Um, oh, really? Very, very sadly, yeah.
2: Yeah, that is unfortunate. Well, and you're right, it, it's like... You know, if the if the red says this, the blue immediately fights it and negates negates it, and you know, vice versa. We can't keep going on like that.
3: No, and that's what um, that's what uh, the countries who are are banking on. They're banking on the United States imploding from within. And you can't tell me that they're not also hoping that Scotland and Northern Ireland want to pull out of the UK because then that diminishes um, a major Western power. They're loving seeing divisions in France. They're loving seeing the uh, turmoil economically in, in uh, the EU uh, because this is how, how they can, can gain an advantage. Because both China and Russia do not want the United States dollar being the world currency. They do not want the United States to be the military superpower. And so what they're banking on is strong social and political division. And, you know, when you start hearing members of Congress, like the, the two I mentioned earlier, saying, oh, well, we should secede. Well, that that's the beginning of the end. That's yeah. the beginning of the end.
2: Right, right. So let's, let's move the lens to maybe a more global perspective. Um, What are your impressions or predictions or what are you hearing about the Russia-Ukraine situation?
0: Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org/slash thrive.
3: I, I've spent some time in Russia, and, um, and the Russian people are amazing. Their cultural, scientific, artistic achievements. I mean, when you see the Bolshoi Ballet, when you hear an orchestra playing uh, uh, Tchaikovsky, when you read their literature, this is an amazing people. They have withstood some of the most horrific military invasions, World War I, World War II, um, throughout history. And they're a brave and resolute people. Their engineering, their science, their medical advances. And the problem with Russia is that they've never had a decent government. I mean, for a thousand years, it's either been czars who were absolute monarchs followed by communist dictatorship, now followed by a neo-fascist dictatorship under Mr. Putin. And the Ukraine is an extremely important piece of real estate because it's the breadbasket of Europe. And as we're seeing now, um, Africa and much of the Middle East because Ukraine produces a tremendous amount of wheat and grain and, and other, the other food products, plus the Ukrainian people are amazing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're also very strong people who value their freedom above all else, because they have been brutalized and tortured by the Russians, by the Germans, by the Mongols, by the Turks, and they've had enough. Mm -hmm. And they are fighting tooth and nail. And I'm going to say this, and I know I'll probably get uh, some more flack about this, I'm really annoyed with the the army of Afghanistan and the men of Afghanistan just rolling over and giving up without a fight. They had the best military hardware in the world that the United States gave them. They knew what the Taliban was. They knew what they are going to do to their women. And they were a bunch of cowards, and they didn't even fight. Whereas the people with Ukraine, who have barely had weaponry were making Molotov cocktails and fought the Russians tooth and nail, and now that they have Western weapons, they have taken on the world's theoretically second most powerful military, second only to the United States, and have halted its advance and now begun a a counter-offensive. And unless the Russians are stupid enough to use nuclear weapons, because if they do, even if they use a tactical, which would be a smaller nuke, well, then the radiation is going to get all over Russia too. Exactly. And, and that's a, yeah. So, so Putin's painted himself into a corner, but he's also like Adolf Hitler. His generals venerate him, but you know there's a few that like to put a bullet in his head. But then again, all the generals that did that to Hitler ended up hanging from piano wire. And they're very well aware of this. Mm-hmm. So I think what's going to happen is that this war is going to drag on and drag on until the Russian mothers, the Russian mothers begin to rise up and start putting pressure. Because at uh, latest estimates, the Russians have lost over 80,000 men. And I take no joy in that, no pleasure in it. These are young guys that are in the military and they're being sent into a war they don't believe in and they're fighting against people that are their cousins. I mean, most a huge amount of Russians have Ukrainian relatives and vice versa. Right. Thing is the Ukrainian people are resolute and strong and they're not going to give up. So I see this war going very badly for Russia and this may lead, and I have a strong feeling, this is gonna be what eventually unseats Putin from power. No,
2: I agree. I agree 100%. Um, I have Russian contacts, many Russian contacts, many Russian friends. And uh, they tell me that what their their friends and family are hearing in Russia is all pro-Russia propaganda. That they're all, so it may take a while for the mothers to just say, wait a minute, this is not okay. And another thing I wanted to point out, did you see uh, Zelensky's most recent statement about, you know, do, will we have no food or Putin? OK, no food, no, no water or Putin, no water, no electricity or. Yeah. He's like, cut everything off. We're not going to we're not going to have it.
3: They're strong people. They're, um, I, yeah. On, on my show, The Psychic in the Dark, um, right after the Ukraine war started, I reached out and I was able to get on our show, the youngest member of the Ukrainian uh, parliament, uh, Sovatoslav Yurash, he's 26, I think he may be 27 now, and he's so Ukrainian. He's young, he's handsome, speaks five languages, I mean, he's brilliant, and his girlfriend was killed in a missile attack three days before the interview, along with this famous journalist. They were part of a Fox News team. And they got hit by a missile, and he—I could see he was—he was maintaining his his um, composure, but he gave one of the most brilliant interviews, and and I was looking at that, saying, "This is a young man representative of the Ukrainian people and their devotion to freedom and their resolute desire for victory." With that. I don't see how Russia could possibly conquer Ukraine.
2: Absolutely. I think Ukraine is just going to have to play the game out until Russia just says, all right, this, we're not going to be able to succeed here. Right. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. um, It's been really, really great talking with you again today, Mark. I I value your, your insight on all of these world uh, stage kind of questions. And I, yes, I understand that you're a medium, not a, predictor right not a fortune teller well still, yeah you've got the you've got the understanding of what's going on and i i do appreciate your your views
3: well i've i've been studying uh world history and politics my entire life exactly um you know I've, I've, for a brief period of time i was a washington insider um and the thing is um I don't look at Republicans as the enemy or Democrats as the enemy. Mm-hmm. I look at Republicans and Democrats as having different ideas on how to solve problems, and it's high time we get back to well. Some of your ideas are okay. We'll work with those. Some of your ideas are okay. We'll work with those, because mm-hmm. that's the strength in America. We are a diverse and different, um, uh, multicultural, multi-faith. We're a diverse. People, but that's what gives us our strength. And just because someone disagrees with you, that doesn't make them your enemy. And that's what free speech is all about. And I'd like to end with this. When I was a um, young student and I was in Moscow, and we had this guide, and we used to nickname him the product of the state because everything was um, Russia this and Russia that. And so he was going on and on about how the teachings of Marxist Leninism were the highest form of philosophical thought the human brain could achieve. And I raised my hand here, I'm 19 years old. I said, so you expect us to believe that the highest form of philosophical thought ever achieved by the human brain is well, boring economic theory? And everyone's like, Mark. And he walks over to me and he puts his hands on my desk and he leans up to me, goes, American boy. Difference between Soviet constitution and American constitution is not freedom of speech, but freedom after you make the speech. I think
2: that sums it up very nicely.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I learned a lot that day. And it was fascinating when I was leaving Moscow two days later, one of our group got pulled out of line, taken into a room, strip searched and interrogated. And who do you think that was? Oh,
2: wow. And you live to tell the tale.
3: Let me tell you, I was sweating bullets there. And I could tell that the the soldiers were having fun. They they knew what they were doing. They they were having fun, like laughing because they knew I was scared to death. But the thing is, nobody in the United States of America should ever be afraid to stand up and say what he or she thinks. We should never be afraid to speak our minds um, and to be critical of our government. Now, to be respectful. You don't need to call people filthy names and things like that. Make death but, threats. Yeah, make death threats. That, that's inappropriate. But the free marketplace of ideas, freedom of speech is essential to the survival of our country. Yep, 100%.
2: All right. So your book and website are The Afterlife Frequency, afterlifefrequency.com. And, um, you know, are you taking clients for for sessions?
3: I am. And everybody can go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can apply for um, a reading. You can find out about the events I have coming up. I got two great spirit communication online events, limited to six people each, September 23rd and uh, then Saturday, September 24th. And I uh, will be headlining at the Edgar Casey Ancient Mysteries Conference. And I look forward to, uh, to returning, Christy, and I look forward to seeing all of you uh, when I'm on tour. Many blessings. God bless. And may God bless the United States of America. Yeah. And may God bless planet Earth, that we respect our mother, planet Earth, and that may freedom be the light that guides us all. Thank you. Amen.
1: Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment. Visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.
4: Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.